Ready? Yep. All right. Welcome to Jack and Emily's Infinite Playlist. <laughs> Infinite Playlist. Wait, Do- was that that movie with like Michael Sarah? You know it. Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. That was the one. I I think I was like in a bus on like a school trip or something sometime like in college I think and that movie was playing but like I wasn't watching it but then there was like a scene (laughs) where I don't know if I even want to say this it was like they were in like a recording studio. Okay. And I think she was saying that she like never had an orgasm before. Okay. And he's like, I'll give you your first one. <laughs> and then she just like you just like hear her coming oh. to the recording studio. But I don't think there's any like video. Okay. <laughs> No, I just remember. Was that really Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist? Well, I think it was those two actors. And again, I wasn't watching the movie, so it was just like really out of context for me. And I just remember thinking it was like really awkward and cringy. Who was Nora? Nick was Michael Sarah, of course. Nora was a woman with the annoying voice from like two waitresses. Oh. I think that was her. Two two broke girls. Two broke girls. <laughs> two waitresses. This is <laughs> We're such a shitty music podcast. <laughs> We're just like trying to remember the names of like bad TV shows. Yeah. You know, waitresses. Uh Yeah. But yeah, I didn't want to I didn't want to hear gasms. Uh, there's only the- one kind of gasm you want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I'm so glad you made that transition because otherwise I was going to have to. <laughs> you did a yeah. you did a great job with it. Thanks. Um, so this this episode we're going to talk about some shows we went to because we've been to two concerts the last. And week. by shows, Emily means live performances of. Uh, Two broke girls. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But before we get to that, I've been meaning to mention uh, the fact that Smokey Robinson, an 83-year-old, just released a new album called Gasms. And the title track is all about how his woman gives him all types of gasms. Eye-gasms, ear-gasms. Mind gasms, gasm gasms. Um, <laughs> I just thought this was worth sharing with our listeners because it just kind of blew my mind. Yeah, the question so is like, like it, are there any orgasms? No, well, there's no orgasm. Just... Well, he says he says every kind of gasm, so okay. he's like. Includes all kinds, but okay. he never like says the word orgasm. Okay. But he's just like, you know, this very wholesome figure. Like, he's an old man. He's got like his Motown roots, but as far as I know, like, he never, his, like, his career never 
veered that far from there. And, like, it never... He always, like, stayed wholesome, from what I can tell. Well, he definitely had, like, a sensual period in the yeah. 70s and 80s. Like, A Quiet Storm and all that. That created, like, that whole genre. It yeah. still wasn't... It was more about, like, innuendo than, like, explicit sexuality or whatever. Mm. But it's not like, you know, he's a man of many gasms, Smokey Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just like that just blew my mind i think that's really cool <laughs> like at that age he's still releasing new music you're still horny as fuck too <laughs> and you know we listened to the whole album i thought it was pretty good it's very good as like like a, a kind of classic smooth r&b album goes yeah, I mean, he really he did really did a great job, I think. Like, if D'Angelo yeah. put out that record, people would be giving it so much attention. Yeah. But because it's 83-year-old Smokey and it's called Gasms, I think people would maybe <laughs> a little more reticent. Yeah. Good for him, though, for just going for it. It's really bold. I mean, yeah. you were sort of making that point. I mean, most people, when they get old, um, like their music is just about dying and shit. Yeah. Which I guess like Or about like cheeseburgers and margaritas and stuff. <laughs> 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 anyway. Well, just... That was not a a pointed comment. <laughs> okay, no, the thing about Jimmy Buffett, who passed this weekend, is that he wrote a lot of songs about cheeseburgers and margaritas and then he died he didn't he didn't write songs about margaritas in lieu of songs about death <laughs> At least, i don't i don't i don't think he did can you imagine like jimmy buffett songs about dying and like reflecting on like your own mortality he has a song called a pirate looks at 40 that's on the songs you know by heart compilation and 40 is death for some people mm. for pirates a pirate looks at 40 right so the pirates like reflecting on time and his yeah. age and... i guess i've never really listened <laughs> to the the lyrics of that one it's one of the ones on that record that um is not as as cringy actually it's got like a nice little tune okay um yeah, I tried listening to songs you know by heart after I learned that he died. Because my parents were big parrot heads. Parrot head parrots. Parrot parents. <laughs> and parrot parents. Jimmy Buffett was just a part of my upbringing. So I tried to revisit his first compilation the other day. And it opens with Cheeseburger in Paradise. And I was just like, no, I can't. I just can't. <laughs> Can't do it. I'm sorry, Jimmy Buffett. I'm sorry you died, but and I like a lot of like dumb songs. But like, you know, you make a compilation of your music and your your first song <laughs> is literally listing the ingredients of a cheeseburger. You know, I don't even know how that song goes, to be honest. I don't care. 
I don't care to know. Would you like to know right now how it goes? Ooh, are you going to recite the lyrics? The important part of it is the verse is like, no, 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 drinking lots of carrot juice and soaking up breeze. And it's like, cheeseburger in paradise. Paradise. But the important part is like the post chorus. It's got a lot of hooks in it. I'll give him that. The post chorus is like, I like mine with lettuce and tomato, Heinz 57 and French fried potato, big kosher pickle and a cold glass barrel. Good God Almighty, which way do I steer for my. <laughs> wow that sounded pretty heavy yeah he really gets into it it's like (laughs) the most animated singing of his career as far as i know is when he's listening out the lyrics uh the the ingredients of a cheeseburger that's how yeah how he gets really amped up just asking about cheeseburgers just thinking about french fried potato (laughs) (laughs) and cold glass beer Cold glass beer. He might put an oven there, but I don't think so. <laughs> I think he just says cold glass beer. Cold glass beer. That's all. That says all you need to know. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't have time for you know of. No. no. Anyway, this is our Jimmy Buffett tribute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've never... now we've made fun of an octogenarian and a dead man within ten minutes of this episode. <laughs> We're off to Grace uh, and Nick and yeah. Nora's infinite playlist and yeah two yeah. waitresses <laughs> two waitresses <laughs> i'm gonna have to look into that nick and nora thing yeah it just doesn't seem like i thought the whole movie was kind of like the twee kind of cutesy post juno thing the michael Sarah yeah movie. i feel like it was trying to go for that it just happened to have like way. this raunchy scene <laughs> yeah I think it was supposed to be like touching. What do you (laughs) (laughs) What do you think was on Nick and Nora's infinite playlist? Or was it actually was it like a metaphor? Uh... I'm assuming they like added song it was like the the movie, the like the script, like they added songs. Do you think it like resembled our top twenty that we made a couple episodes ago? No. You don't think so? I think um I bet you there was a Pixie song though. I bet you there was like the postal service. Yeah, oh yeah, Decemberus. Yeah, oh yeah, no doubt. Uh uh Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. Uh I don't know who that is. Okay. But sure. <laughs> Cheeseburger in Paradise. <laughs> <laughs> that would be they need to remake that movie but like with millennials as they are now like 15 years later and it's just like steely dan and fucking jimmy buffett it's all yacht rock yeah just like boss skags and shit (laughs) it's just depressing as hell yeah yeah oh boy it's been a week ladies and gentlemen it has. It's been a good week. Yeah. Despite the, the tragic passing of James Buffett. Um, James Buffett. <laughs> Emily and James I are... Buffet. Yeah, Emily and I have been riding high this week. We are back in it, baby. We are going to concerts. We are living the indie rock life of our dreams. 
<laughs> yeah. It's been great. Um, we might even go to a third concert this week, next week. We I might. Depends on how we feel. Yeah. But the Breeders are playing at Kemba Live on Friday. And it would complete my uh, my viewing of the Pixies this summer. Yeah. Because I saw the Pixies without Kim Deal. And then I could see Kim Deal without the Pixies. Right. Pretty cool. Yeah. I was trying to think of a way to incorporate, like, Guided by Voices into that trifecta. But I don't know if, like, Bob Pollard and Frank Black ever did anything or talked to each other or anything like that. So. Well, Bob Pollard worked with Kim Deal. Right, yeah. That's what I was wondering if there was, like... <laughs> yeah, there's like, there was, like, that, there's that connection, but... Uh, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying too hard. Trying too hard. I got to be more like Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. Kick back. Think about margaritas. <laughs> um, anyway, we might see the Breeders next Friday. Um, the shows that we actually did see this last week on Wednesday, we saw Wise Blood at the Newport in Columbus, Ohio. And then last night, Saturday, September 2nd, we went to the second night of the Guided by Voices 40th anniversary show featuring Wednesday, Heartless Bastards, Built to Spill, and America's greatest rock and roll band, Guided by Voices. (laughs) In the heart of Dayton, Ohio, baby. Yeah, their hometown. Yeah, it it was quite a homecoming. It was a great night. Maybe we should talk about Wise Blood first because it happened chronologically. Sure. And it was also like a little less amped up. And not even yeah. in a bad way because it was like just a gorgeous show. It was a great yeah. show. But she operates at like a different wavelength than uh, Guided by Voices. Yeah. So for those who are familiar, Wise Blood is basically a solo project of Natalie. Marrying. Marrying, thank you. <laughs> of course. Um, a millennial singer-songwriter who does um, really beautiful, melodic, often sad, um, like Baroque pop ballads. Mm-hmm. Um, some people compare her to Karen Carpenter because she has this beautiful alto voice. Um, I don't, I, I see the connection, but to me, like, their voices are so different, because Karen Carpenter is, like, has a very sweet-sounding voice. Yes. She's kind of like, if you, like, the Carpenter's music is not sad, usually, but the Carpenter's Mm -hmm. story is sad, and I feel like if you combine, like, the music and the context, you would get Wise Blood. Yeah. Her voice is just gorgeous. Like, that's one of the most appealing things about her music. For sure. And, um, yeah, it's just very, like, deep and kind of cold. It's I don't know. It's, like, lush and cold at the same time. 
Uh, it's expressive without being like full of. It doesn't have the heat. You know, she's not yeah. like getting on the mic just like crying. But her right. songs are unmistakably full of emotion. Yeah. There's something like I she has songs about movies. She's from from LA. There's something like very kind of like old school movie star about it where she like kind of gets that she's like a performer and she's not going to go out there or make an album where she's just like spilling her guts all over the place. It's like more of a like a performative kind of style. Uh, but she's great at it. Yeah. And I think everyone there, I mean, there was a ton of young people there. It was like a younger crowd than we expected. And I have to believe like a lot of people just really connect to like how emotional the music is. And yeah. Just like how beautiful it is. It's so expressive, but like you're saying, it never, it doesn't feel very raw. It's like, yes, there's so much feeling into it. And um, it feels very reflective. But not like she's like on the edge, like you know, really wearing her heart on her sleeve. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It We're just so feels accustomed, very like, like controlled, um, but not like not affected in any way. It just feels like her voice and like very clear, yes, and strong and beautiful. We're so accustomed. Uh, I don't know if rock and roll did this to the world. But, like, we only kind of associate that raw stuff you were talking about with, like, emotion now. The idea of, like, like being authentic or whatever or, like, real in your art. But I think there's, like, so many paths to, like, feeling. And she's chosen one that's, like, maybe not as, like, popular now. Mm-hmm. But she really makes it work. Or I think so, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And she deals with a lot of themes of um, just, like, anxiety about the world and, like, the future and where things are headed and just darkness that we see and, like, what's going on yeah, with the planet and, like, social issues. But it's never... Uh, it's never explicit. Like, it's... It's not heavy-handed. It's, it's doing... Yeah, it's always, like, just kind of explained in like a generalized poetic way like she doesn't talk literally about social issues or things like that right we talked a bit about her record from last year in the darkness hearts aglow because we both liked it i think we both put it in our top five for the year um, yeah i think that was explicitly designed as like a pandemic record and has like pretty um pointed like connections to that you know it's not just me it's everybody is the first song on that record was also the first song of the set that she played in columbus Mm -hmm. and i think that is it's totally about like you have like these uh these interior uh uh, feelings and thoughts and stuff and then uh something like a pandemic kind of helps you realize uh for better or worse that like um you know, you're not the only one in yeah. that respect. Yeah, she sings a lot about loneliness, sadness, anxiety. Uh, I think that's part of why, you, you kind of said this already, but like why this young audience connects with her music. Yeah. 
So I think like the younger generations are so open and honest about like mental health issues. Yeah. And appreciate like music that highlights those issues. And she certainly does that. I was just surprised at the crowd. Like it was noticeably younger than I think like any concert we've been to. Right. Lately. I guess it's not that uncommon because like she ages with us. Yeah. But her her fans are probably like 10 years younger than we are generally, I would say. I mean, that's most of the artists I really like are, you know, 10 or 15 years older than me. Yeah. Um, Plus a lot of the artists we like are, you know, they had their heyday. 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Or older. I mean, we got like a lot of like yes. stuff from like the 60s and 70s and 80s and stuff. Um, whereas she's been like a contemporary artist. She's in her prime for sure. Yeah. I mean, she's on a pretty great streak. I went back and revisited uh, Front Row Seat to Earth from 2016 to like prepare to do some research before the show. She ended up drawing quite a bit from it. I think she played three or four songs from it. And it's great. I mean, it's not like Titanic Rising, I think, is the one that kind of like broke her to like the larger indie world. It's the first one I knew from her. But like the seeds were planted earlier than that. Um, so she's got like at least three just like really good records in a row. Yeah. That was entirely where the uh, the show came from, too. I don't think she played anything that was earlier than those records. Well, and I haven't listened to her earlier stuff, but I've heard that it's very different. It's, like, experimental. Well, she has one yeah. record from, like, 2008, so she would have been, like, 20, called Strange Chalices of Seeing. I think it was just released on cassette. It's got, like, a black and white photo of a cat on it, I'm pretty sure. Okay. And it's just like awesome dissonant tape loop hiss music. Oh, <laughs> it's like, weird! It's like, yeah, this like really kind of fucked up dark ambient stuff. Huh. Um, it's interesting because like that kind of like gothic horror thing I think is in her music too, in like yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah, in her aesthetic. Um, yeah, she's got she's got like this long dark flowing hair. And... Yeah. She's totally millennial Stevie Nicks, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, and she's got, like, a beautiful kind of, like, um, fairy-like face. <laughs> and yeah. she's, like, very thin, and she wears, like... I mean, when we saw her, she was wearing, like, this long, flowing white gown with, like, yeah. long sleeves and, like, Some waving her arms about Stevie Nicks style. Kind of elaborate get-up. Oh. It's either that or it's, like, kind of like a big white suit thing. Yeah. Oh. And I noticed some people were dressed up in kind of like goth adjacent attire. Yeah. Yeah. There's that darkness there. It's again, yeah. it's like an appealing combination of things. Um, yeah. It's like the cure kind of does that too, right? Like they have beautiful music and they have dark, sad music. And I think yeah. the real fans of the cure like, like it all. Like they understand that it's all part of like the same same idea yeah she has a real like ethereal sound um she <laughs> she described once described her music as enya meets bob seger hell yeah which i think is hilarious wear my bob seger shirt right <laughs> now yeah she's got like the ethereal like romantic quality but then also just like 
big pop like conventional melodies it's like yeah she clearly loves just like 70s like fm rock music i think that's like like fleetwood mac certainly but i think seeger and yeah harry nilson um all that good shit every time i hear the song andromeda i always think of george harrison it's a slide guitar it just feels very george harrison to me absolutely and the melody too that is that's probably the closest thing she has to a hit. I think it might be her most played song on Spotify. And I think you were saying that you just hearing it live was uh, like a spellbinding thing. It's like, fuck. Yeah. Really good. I just couldn't believe how many hooks there were in that song. Like, it just yeah. kept building. Like, you think, like, wow, that's a great hook. And then she does another one and then another one. It's like, wow, this song is great. Yeah. Yeah. The whole sequence of. Of her set list, I just thought was was so well put together, um, and she's just kind of, I mean, all of her songs kind of are are kind of on the same wavelength, and none of them are are particularly up tempo. She kind of moves at yeah. her own pace, but still, she kept it interesting. I think it was like, I mean, the songs are great, but she had like good stage presence. And like great lighting and like video backdrops and stuff. Yeah. And then she would kind of throw in a couple that were just like, I don't know. I I think about like when she played every day, I got super into that. Maybe because it is more (laughs) of like a piano stomper. But yeah, she has a lot of piano based songs and then a lot of guitar based songs yeah and she had one part of the set that she referred to as like the rave portion of the set which i thought was hilarious she did twin (laughs) flame yeah and she talked about like you know how the mosh pit might start and (laughs) it it was like clearly tongue-in-cheek like it was just compared to her normal sound she has a couple songs that are a little more like upbeat yeah up tempo but yeah not even I, close to like it, rave material. I think it's interesting that I think some of the songs that got the best response and some of the ones that like fans like the best are the ones that are like furthest out there on a yeah. list. The really ethereal ones, movies, God Turned Me Into a Flower, etc. Yeah. Which were awesome. I mean, she just sings so fucking well. She's a great singer and live, just like totally rose to the occasion. I was blown away by her voice. Like I, there was one moment where I was like, "Is she lip syncing?" Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know, like, she clearly was not lip syncing, but her voice was so impeccable. Like it sounded like the recording, and it felt so effortless. Yeah, she was never straining to like hit a note. It was just so clear and beautiful. It was probably like the best vocal performance I've ever seen live. Yeah. Yeah. Captivating. Yeah. It's just crazy too, because she's doing it night after night. I think she had played like each of the two or three nights before our show. It's not like it's like this again, high energy, strenuous set, but you do have to maintain your, your voice. People come to like hear you sing and she did not let anybody down in yeah. that regard. Uh it was a great, great show. It was a great show. Yeah. I mean, yeah, great set. I mean, she played most of her last two albums, which mm-hmm. is what people are into. 
Um, so it was great to just get so much from those two. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I I always get stuck behind a dude who's like seven <laughs> foot four and never fails. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm short, and I can like never see. So I really couldn't see her most of the time, which was a shame because like she's just well, this is gonna sound weird, but she's like beautiful to look at because yeah. she's like a beautiful person. She had like her long flowy gown and was just like doing all these like cool moves, Stevie Nicks ish moves. She would and... kind of gallop around the stage. Yeah, it was like, kind of hard to like explain. It was very, it was super endearing. I was yeah. surprised, just like. She seemed to have be having a great time and did a lot of a lot more bantering than I was expecting too. Yeah, she's really funny and yeah, she just seems so gracious. Like she was, you know, people are always like, "Oh, I love coming to Columbus." Yeah, but she said a lot more than that. Of like, mm-hmm. like the city's always been so good to her, and she's like, it's one of her favorite places to perform, and she's like been playing here since 2008 I think mm-hmm. and she had like all these good memories from this city that she was talking about so it seemed very genuine yeah she talked about going on like a an only Ohio tour at some point yeah yeah there's videos of her online when she was like in her first punk band I don't know if that was the group that was touring Ohio oh. but when she's just like shrieking and stuff. Cool. Yeah. That would be interesting to see. It's an amazing trajectory, <laughs> it's <hard> honestly. To <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Black blood. It's cool. The audience was great too. Like they were just so responsive. Like mm-hmm. every time she finished a song, people were just like erupted. Like just like screaming. Um yeah. And just seemed so engaged the whole time. Like people weren't like chatting. People weren't fucking like, talking. Looking at their phones. It's so great going to a show where like the artist means something to everybody in there. It's not just like fucking idiots who have like wandered in for some reason to like drink and talk and be an asshole. Yeah. It's like people were hanging on every note, I think. I was kind of worried about that because it was such a young crowd, like we said. And it's like the Newport's on campus. And school's back in session, so I was like, oh, maybe there's just OSU students who, like, came here for something to do, but they don't really know her. Yeah. But it didn't seem like that. Yeah. It seemed like people were, like, actual fans. It's just cool to see young people enjoying good music. <laughs> Especially on Ohio I mean, State's campus. You're like, I thought yeah. these people only cared about football. Yeah. yeah, and we talk about how so much music these days just seems like very vibes based, mm-hmm. and she is very much a, a certain vibe. Like that's a big part of her aesthetic. Yeah, but like the songs are fantastic. Like they're so well written, right? And she has like such great hooks, right? And um, it's cool just to see people. Like she's not like well known, but yet like. All these people were coming out. Clearly has a, the, the cold fan base. Yeah. Yeah. Just, um, yeah, it's just like, it's just like real music. It's just like beautiful music. <laughs> you know? Not, yeah. I don't know. It's just like so much 
music that is like not imaginative and it just like comes at you through Spotify and it might as well have been made by a machine and her music is so, I don't know. It feels like so like human and carefully crafted. And yeah, there's, there's something to see in like all people, but especially young people like responding to that. You're like, Oh, see, maybe the future won't suck. <laughs> I mean, it will, but like maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a, it's, that's how I felt too. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow, people still care about this. Right. Most of the shows we see, are they're people who are well, the audience are well on their way out. They, well on their way out. They had a chance to make an impact on the world and they blew it. And now they're just, uh, they're just sleeping at the Guided by Voices show. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that. Literally a guy yeah. sleeping in the row in front of us. Mm-hmm. At the guy I was so. He was actually, you know, a, a, actually a hero, <laughs> a, a star. Um, so. Yeah, maybe you should give a little uh, a little bio, a little description of GBV for those who aren't familiar. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think where to start here. Because um, hmm. I was thinking about talking about like the 40th anniversary show. I'll get mm-hmm. to that. Let's, 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 let's begin at the beginning. So Guided by Voices <laughs> formed 40 years ago in Dayton, Ohio. And basically i mean they're a band quote unquote but they've had like dozens of members the only continuous member the only one who matters to a lot of fans is their lead singer and songwriter robert pollard um who is just a preternatural wait what's the word He's a gifted uh, songwriter, I'll say. <laughs> he is just an unbelievably prolific songwriting imagination. Uh, Probably is, the most prolific songwriter of all time. I mean, I think he, he might be in like the Guinness Book of World Records. I mean, just in terms of pure numbers, like the amount of albums that he has put out under the Guided by Voices banner, under his own name, under any of his myriad side projects. I mean, hundreds, we might be pushing like a thousand. I don't know if you count like EPs and seven inches and stuff could be. He has like this famous (laughs) quote where he talks about his process and he's like, you wake up, you take a shit, you write a song. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. I did captures the guided by voices aesthetic so well, because it's like kind of, vulgar and like based you know i feel like that is an important part of their story that 
their fans really respond to. And uh, it really does feel like he he probably writes about a song a day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if putting out like multiple albums per year. Yeah. You're in the songwriting phase. You do a song a day. You record them. You, you, you know, produce it. You put out the album. His songwriting publishing agency is called Need More Songs, which is the name <laughs> of a. It's the name of a street, though, in Dayton. It's like the street just above where he lived for a while on Titus Avenue. But it just happens to be, again, it's perfect. It, like, is a reference to his hometown and is, like, that's his his guiding philosophy. He's always going to need more songs. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just a little bit more about the history. Um, so, basically, they labored in obscurity for 10 years. He was not, like, a full-time rock star. He was a teacher, uh, a married man with children. Um, and basically they were ready to pack it in when an album called Propeller suddenly took off. They thought it was going to be their last record, um, but it ended up being the record that got them signed to, I think, Scat Records and then Matador after that. Um, and then in the mid-90s, they released like a series of classic indie rock records. And uh, since then, they've like broken up, they've rejoined again just like the cycle of members on and on um but they've left this kind of amazing legacy of just fucking thousands of songs um many of which are recorded hastily and like very diy on like ramshackle equipment with like tape hiss often when band members are inebriated um that is another like really crucial part of who they are that I think some people don't respond to, but like some people find their way in and they're like, Oh, there's something about this really shitty sounding song that really does it for me. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean this 40th anniversary show um, celebrates that fucking crazy history and it took place at the Dayton Masonic Center near downtown Dayton. And uh, we weren't sure if we were going to go because it looked like the tickets had sold out. Uh, but good old StubHub was able to pull through for us. And we ended up getting fucking great tickets for yeah. like a real price. Oh. It was a beautiful venue. Um, like right on the river. This big old stone imposing building. Uh, and inside it was like all, what do you call this? That style of theater where it's like all the different tiered. like Pretty. <laughs> Pretty. Big theater. Uh... I don't know. It, but it was like, it was kind of fancy, like for a rock show. It was like carpeted in there and they had like chandeliers and stuff. It was like not yeah. the kind of place that Guy by Voices is normally playing. It's not usually a rock venue either. I think they have like pull in Dayton though. And uh, I don't know how they were able to make it happen, but I, I imagine the band like had their sights on and they're like, that's where we want to play. Mm. And it ended up, I mean, it worked for the occasion um it was just kind of nice having it in an intimate venue you could sense that like everybody there was a big fan had either seen them dozens of times or you know was an old friend of somebody in the band 
or, you know, whatever, all the connections that artists make over the course of 40 fucking years. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It just seemed like a, a big party. Yeah. Oh, um, but I, I'm sorry. Just regarding the seats, we were kind of off to the side of the stage again, not something we planned for. It was like the cheapest ticket on StubHub and ended up being great. And just magically, one of the six bars that was set up for this show, because drinking is a huge thing with Guided by Voices, one of the six bars was immediately behind our seats. Just like. And we were in a row by ourselves. I know. Of just, just, like, just our two seats <laughs> next to the stairs. The two of us, well, two of those two dudes from Boston showed up and started started cramping my zone but not in a terrible way yeah yeah just us in our little row with a little bar behind us and just uh you know not not free miller light but uh but continuous miller light if you were willing to pay <laughs> which was their drink of choice apparently maybe oh, yeah i yeah. can't imagine it being anything else we were talking about this today i mean i'm a little hungover still um same you know the the classic gotta buy voices shows quote unquote the ones from the 90s are just fucking sloppy and bizarre because they were just drinking before during and after the set um and i just i can't imagine i mean even doing it with miller light like will take a toll but if if you were trying that with like a craft beer or whatever forget about it You'd fall over immediately. Yeah. yeah, and they were like not spring chicks. I mean, Robert Pollard is sixty-five now. Yeah, and uh, like you said, like they were in obscurity for what, like a decade? Yeah, before they had some success. Before, yeah, they kind of they jumped into like semi obscurity or whatever. yeah. <laughs> And he was like a teacher and, you know, had married with kids. So they were not like, they were not young men. They were like kind of middle-aged. Yeah. And yeah. still just getting hammered. Yeah. <laughs> shows. And I'd always heard that like the crowd at GBV shows are like bro-y and obnoxious. Probably because of like the drinking culture. Yeah. Um... But the crowd we had last night was great. I mean, it was mostly seated, and then there was, like, a general admission section in front of the stage where people were standing. But it was, like, an an older crowd. I mean, we were young for compared to, like, the average person there. A lot of white hairs in there. Yeah. A lot of of bald with uh, white or gray beards in that crowd. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of a look. (laughs) Including possibly David Cross. Oh, including definitely David Cross. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, Jack was convinced he saw David Cross, the comedian, in the audience. Because you were saying ahead of time, like, you wouldn't be surprised if we, if there were some celebrity sightings. Right. Because, you know, like a 40th anniversary show, it's a big deal. Again, and they inspire they something in, in certain kinds of people. There's like this cultish devotion in like a certain kind of gotta buy voices fan i've heard that david cross is like kind of one of those people too so yeah and it looked just like him 
I mean, we weren't like right up close to him, but he had the David Cross look. Especially <laughs> if you look at like pictures of him nowadays, he's got like the big gray beard and like bald head. Plus, he was just like Classics. wandering up to like randos. They seem like I don't know if they were strangers or what, but he was just like firing up conversations, and he seemed like he was the person regaling everybody. Yeah, he seemed like he was there by himself, but he was just like very social and outgoing, and kept like talking to people and like getting hugs and stuff. So it could be that he's like an old Dayton scene guy. Yeah, and just well, yeah, but we we didn't see him taking selfies with people though, and I feel like. That's uh, maybe a sign that it wasn't him. Yeah, but maybe people also know, like you know, when you're when you see David Cross, the guy to my voices show, you kind of understand the etiquette. I like would you're all you're all there. You're there to do the same things: <laughs> drink Miller Light and rock and roll. Like so, if I met David Cross, I would get a selfie. Okay. <laughs> we and I thinking... learned that he's my birthday twin, so. <laughs> so you would have had the icebreaker. Would have had the icebreaker, mm-hmm. yeah. But alas, I don't know. We'll have to keep checking oh, his social media and see if he posts anything about it. <laughs> yeah. So this 40th anniversary show was a two night celebration, and on Friday it was guided by voices were of course the headliner, and then Dinosaur Junior and a band called Kiwi Junior played. <laughs> um, two juniors. Um. Then our night, we got Got My Voices, plus Built to Spill, Heartless Bastards, and Wednesday. We got there at like seven on the dot. And because that's when we heard the show was beginning. And Wednesday had already started their set. They, yeah. I mean, I looked at the clock when they started playing and it was seven on the dot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They weren't fucking around. Right. And it's a good thing that they had a prompt start because, like, getting through the four bands who all played, like, pretty, like, decently long sets. Mm-hmm. Got away voices did, like, a two hour long set. Right. The whole thing was, like, six hours. Yeah. And there wasn't a lot of transition time between bands, which was great. Um, but we got there at seven and GBV ended their set at quarter to one. Mm hmm. So it was a long night, but it flew by. I was having so much fun. Oh, it was so fun. It would have sucked, I think, to be standing that entire time. Uh-huh. But having a comfy seat with, like, a good view and, like, easy access to beer, it was great. And we made some friends. We That's had a right. few people near right. us that, were, that talked to us a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was just a good, awesome. you had mentioned this, but, like, it was a good vibe in general at that show. It seemed like people just seemed like, I don't know if big hearted is the right word, but there wasn't like that kind of weird, nervous, desperate energy that you get at shows in general, but also especially with like drunken people, especially like aging drunken people, I think. I think people really were just, they kind of understood like, hey, this is like a, a, a fun event. This is a cool moment to celebrate. Let's just have a good time. Yeah. So yeah, everyone just seemed really open and friendly. <laughs> Yeah, and everyone there was a big fan. Of yeah, that helps and, like, too. So and a lot of people were there both nights because at, yeah. at one point, like Bob Pollard was like, "Who was here last night?" And like a lot of people raised their hand. Yeah. So that's, I mean, 
Six hours. That's like twelve hours of concert in two days. That was the the guy. I mean, who... I guess that's what festivals are all about. Yeah, but that's a lot. I can't imagine like going again tonight with the way I feel right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm too hungover for that. Yeah, the thing about God by Voices too, it's like you could tell yourself on night one, I'm not gonna go ham tonight. You know, I because I gotta I gotta go to tomorrow night too. So like I gotta like take it. But it's like as soon as you know, a salty salute comes on, it's like all right, like half a beer down the gullet, like right there. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, it was fun. I the band seemed very loose, but um, not at all like sloppy. Like you were saying, they've been known to be at their yeah. shows, like. They were drinking, but or at least Bob Pollard was drinking, and he like yeah, again, he seemed loose, but like not yeah. sloppy. Like he, yeah, it was a good balance. The whole show, like again, good vibes, good energy. It didn't feel like as unhinged or wild as you know the days of your. I mean, it's not going to be because they're older. Um, I I will I will say that I kind of was expecting just like more like weird rants, more. Even like we had like the dream of like special guests like coming on stage like Kim Deal or Tobin Sprout, who was in the band for a while, um, and that stuff didn't really happen. They didn't even like dig like that deep. I feel like into their back catalog, it was a set that was mostly like, you know, songs you know by heart, and then stuff from their newer records. But that also just made it seem like. It's like, oh, this band is not like a nostalgia band. Or at least they aren't to themselves, you know? Like, they just want to go out and play a good show. Um, and, and I just don't I don't, don't think they like traffic and like a lot of bullshit like that. So, I don't know. It felt like kind of vital in that way. In, mm-hmm. in that it didn't really... I don't know. It didn't do like the kind of the corny things I think other bands might be inclined to do in a situation like that. So. Well, and they're in such a unique position too because their catalog is so massive uh-huh. and they have like two classic albums that like b thousand and alien lanes i think some people like, would add under the bushes under the stars and say like the the trio okay the yeah yeah which are like classic ones if you're like getting into them like you kind of start there um but then where do you go after that like yes. <laughs> hundreds of albums you're yeah. never gonna learn it all, yeah. Uh, unless you want to spend like your entire life like doing that as a project. Since um, they reformed in like 2013, I mean, they've been more prolific than ever. I mean, they've released I got at least 15 since that point, and he was fucking talking about their next two records last night. <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, we got one coming out in a month, and then we got one coming out in March of next year." <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. We should say too, like. Their songs are very short for yes. the most part. They don't have any like jammy meandering songs. No. They're like very succinct, concise yeah. songs. So yeah. it's not like he's just like, oh yeah, I, I have a new album out, but it's just like four songs and each song is like a long jam. Like, yeah, a no, stupid he's like Jerry like, Garcia improvisation or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> like he's he's writing like these very compact songs that yeah. have a lot of ideas in them. Yeah. Now, the success rate, and I think he would admit to this, like, it's not always, you know, super high. Like, there's a lot of misfires on that record. There's a, On those records, there's, like, a lot of bullshit. 
Um, but I think, like, again, that's just part of the deal. Like, I think fans of the band accept that and even kind of like it. And I think every God About Voices fan has, like, a handful of, like, bad GBV songs that they really love. <laughs> uh, like, songs that are, like, well, I think, like, the normal pe- person would hear them and be like, this fucking sucks. And it's like, no, man. Uh, <laughs> like, Kicker of Elves. Kicker of Elves is a great example. I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Kicker of Elves. Dude, I was going to lose my shit if they played Kicker of Elves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why Why is Kicker of Elves controversial? Well, let's start with, it's called Kicker of Elves. And it goes, Kicker of Elves. Kicker of Elves. Kicker of Elves. Fucking masterpiece. There's a lot of songs too that are just like really short, like a 30 second, like one idea kind of song. Uh A minute and a half, and there's so many different ideas right. incorporated, and then it's just kind of, they don't, like, repeat the chorus, like, four times. It's just right. Like, yeah. They're, I mean, like, they're related to, like, the power pop tradition, or even, like, the classic rock tradition, I guess, but they fall outside of it in so many ways. The way he writes song, I mean, he loves the, loves the strong vocal melody and the strong pop hook, I think. But it's usually not just like verse, chorus, verse no. with him. It's it's more wandering. And I think some of those songs are the ones that people like best. I mean, last night, Gold Heart, Mountaintop, Queen Directory, I just, it got such an amazing response. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, again, it's a song that would elude most people, I think. But when you start really digging into B-1000, um, you're like, oh yeah, this is such a crucial component of this album. Yeah, most of the song structures are very unconventional. Mm-hmm. And some of them are just really, really unconventional. Like <laughs> they don't like Yeah. They don't fit any kind of like song structure at all. Yeah. It's just kind of a He loves like weird art rock records and like prog rock and stuff. I mean, he clearly loves um he loved at one point the who i think him and pete townsend had a falling out but uh but you know he he, he clearly loves like that sort of british invasion music of the 60s and that sound Mm -hmm. um but 
I don't, I don't think you really understand what they're about unless you sort of understand like their links to like, you know, bands like wire and just like kind of more like avant-garde punky stuff like that. Um, it's funny. You mentioned that like all their songs are quite short. They ended up playing 38. Our Why set. didn't they make it a even forty for the fortieth anniversary? That's just that's just their their weird perversion, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, again, mix of old and new. Uh, by the end, it was just like banger, banger, banger. Like the last five in the set and in the encore were just outrageous. Um, but I think you mentioned the short songs, and it just made me think like every other band that night was more of like a jammy yeah. longer song kind of band. Um, like spending like four or five minutes kind of working a groove or soloing or whatever. Yeah. They all work together really well, but when God of my voices came on, it was just like super punchy and fun. It was like, Oh yeah, this is the band I, I really wanted to see tonight. Yeah. And they were, it's fun to just hear the whole crowd like singing along to the hooks in certain yeah. songs, like their bigger songs. Mm-hmm. At one point, there was a there was a team of security guards who were like really, um, what's the word? Persistent, uh, diligent yes, about not letting people from the seats like go down to the, the floor. Um, they were really like checking everybody and like throughout the whole show, all six hours of it. But <laughs> so one of the security guards just like in one of the chairs and just like fist bumping and like <laughs> singing like every word of this God of My Voices song. It's <laughs> like, wait, what the hell? Like, is he just, he's working this job. He just happens to be a big fan of theirs. Yeah. It's a cool moment. Yeah, we should talk about the other bands we saw there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Wednesday opened again. They they started at seven, like on the dot, and they played for half an hour. Yeah, they are a band, a rock band from Asheville, um, North Carolina, and uh, I mean their their sound has like links to southern rock. And they have uh, pedal steel guitar. And they have a pedal steel guitar player. Yeah, yeah, which I was not expecting. There's a woman, and she has a very country kind of uh, hound dog. It's kind of like a warble. <laughs> she has a warble. A warble? Is yeah. that what it's called? I, that's, that's what I'd call it, yeah. Okay. Um, but they mix that sort of stuff with like the kind of classic 80s and 90s like noise rock. 
yeah the, the sort of like sonic youth thing uh which to me is a really appealing combination and i i fucking loved watching them but felt like the first two bands i would say felt very neil young inspired to me help and help built the spill too though right yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you couldn't read like a Built to Spill review for a while without the referencing Neil Young. Huh. And then um, Wednesday had their guitar players, MJ Lenderman, who who has a solo career. You've been really into him lately. Yeah, we've we've talked about him before on the podcast. Okay. You know, that might have been the Jemmy's part one, which is yeah. now has been removed from Spotify for violating the terms of service. But, uh, <laughs> so I'll say it now. Boat Songs by MJ Lenderman is is a, a great record. And he's a shredding guitar player. Uh, it's, just, it's just neat that, um, you know, he, he, he doesn't seem to have, like, an ego. Like, he wasn't, like, trying to, like, get up on the mic or, like, upstage the rest of the group or whatever. Um, he was just, like, happy to, like, you know, be part of the band and playing guitar last night. Yeah. So... Because I wish I knew, I should know her name, the singer, but it's it's her band, you know. I'm pretty sure she's, like, writing the songs and stuff, and she's playing guitar as well. So. Cool. Yeah. They were awesome. The last song they played is called Bull Believer, and uh, it's the one, man. It's, like, mm. nine minutes long, and just ends with, like, fucking wash of sound and just, like, shrieking. Um. This is what I'm into. <laughs> yeah. She was like, oh, yeah, there's like a lot of bullshit happening in this country these days. And like, if you're upset about it the way we are, then like, feel free to scream with me at the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That. Hell, yeah. She really was screaming. Yes, she was. Yeah. Um, that was Wednesday. You want to talk about Heartless Bastards? Yeah. And then Heartless Bastards was after that. Um, another rock band with a female singer. Yeah, she felt she kind of felt like a the female version of Tom Petty to me. Like <laughs> his blonde hairstyle and uh, I don't know, just kind of the way that she like strummed the guitar and moved around the stage. But um, yeah, they just had a really like good, loud, classic rock sound. Yeah. Um. Just like stately tempos, but like huge riffs that like yeah, and it's slowly that slowly sort of built in time, and like spit like uh, very spacious songs like, you know, like drum beats and like guitar riffs and like space in between. Like it wasn't just like fast and furious like yeah sound. I think in terms of like they were so surprising. I don't know much about their music. Um. But just like in terms of like pure sonics, I mean, they might have had the best set. Like they just sounded great to me. Yeah, they really did. They had like a six or seven piece band. And yeah, exactly. It wasn't, it was like a really powerful sound, but it still had those nuances in space, as you were saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like soulful vocals. They had a, like a backup singer too. And, um, and then, like, just great, like, guitar parts were, like, they were shredding. Yeah. And it was like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, really found myself really getting into it. And I'd never heard them before. I'd never even heard of them before. Yeah. But I really enjoyed 
I remember they like released their first CD like in 2005 or something. And I feel like at that time they were kind of understood to be like, kind of like a, you know, in the same vein as like the white stripes or the black keys, like sort of like a pared back kind of blues Mm. rock kind of thing. But they're, they're not that now. Um, if they ever were again, I didn't. I didn't listen to those albums at the time. I just remember like hearing about that band. So you even back then you heard about them like two thousand five. Oh yeah. yeah okay. I think, uh, yeah, I've Josh, never I think heard Josh White had a couple of their CDs. Good old Josh White. Oh, cool. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's again. There was so many bands that are like they're just like they've kept kicking. Like the the show was forgotten by Voices and their fortieth anniversary. But at this point, Built to Spill has been around for more than 30 years and they're still making music and i'm sure like if you had told me in 2005 like hey are the heartless bastards going to continue to make music that's like really interesting like almost 20 years from now would have been like no fucking way (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah yeah and then built a spill was next yeah and they were just a three-piece you're saying that they used to have a second guitarist they're another band that's had like a rotating cast of characters. I think their main guy, Doug Marsh, who writes the songs and sings and plays guitar, I think he's like notoriously difficult to work with. Mm. Uh, he certainly had like a kind of standoffish vibe on stage. Yeah. <laughs> Not exactly like a, a charisma monster. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you had mentioned that like his whole band was like female. Yeah, and um, it turned out it was just two people. Cause it was just a yeah bass player a- and a drummer, and then who were fucking fuck. kick ass. They were kick ass. Yeah. Um, but I just got like a weird vibe with the dynamic. <laughs> wow. I I was like, because you told me that like his band was like all female. I was like, oh, that's really cool. I like that. Mm. But then seeing them on stage and seeing like the way that they looked and the way he looked, yeah, I just wouldn't be surprised if like he was me too. And wow. I, <laughs> no, I hate not, to say not, that. How dare? Okay, how dare I, you? Okay, I hope it's not true. No, but just like I don't know, like you guys, they were hanging. I saw them hanging it. I saw them hanging in the wings of the stage, watching the heartless bastards. Man, they're just friends. Hopefully, Doug. I can't believe I can't. You know what? I was just going to talk about Doug Marsh's like lack of stage presence, but you're trying to you're trying to like impute his character. And Emily, I'm not going to stand for that. Okay. <laughs> it was just a it was just a vibe. My God. I no, I, I, I forget it, but I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. And again, I was reading a lot into like seeing very little. Yeah. But then again, look you at how people have been me too. I mean, it's like, you know, one in two men out there. Wow. So Yeah, but most of those men haven't written songs as uh heart wrenching as, as Twin Falls, Idaho. So mm. sensitive man. I don't know. Win <laughs> Butler got me too. Ooh. Touche. Bill's this bill. I thought their set was great. I think it was the one that like didn't quite rise to my expectations, though, because I like them a lot. The songs that they played, I think they just have. I think they have 
fucking great songs like at their best it's like on par with gbv for me um and i think their set got better as they went along but the fact that he's the only guitar player and he's kind of just like fiddling with pedals a lot of the time just sort of like i don't know it made things like maybe like less powerful than they could have been that's how i felt anyway i feel like they need to get a second guitar player Mm -hmm. maybe like an older woman so as to (laughs) lessen that vibe that emily is getting yeah that would be good i will say that i think my favorite moment of the entire night they played a song called big dipper near the end of their set and it begins with him going once is like the first part there's no music and they go into it and there's like a riff and they're singing and when they went into it, there was a dude a couple like rows ahead of us in a Dallas Mavericks jersey who just like turned around, just doing like the thing you do at concerts where you're just like ecstatic to hear a song. So you like do a twirl. And him and I like <laughs> locked eyes at that moment. And we were just like grinning at each other, just like singing the first verse of that song at each other. I was like, man, I love being alive. <laughs> I fucking love this. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah, there was a definitely sense of camaraderie at that show. Yeah cool yeah plus bill to spill uh, you know fucking they ended the set with carry the zero which wait was that what they ended the set with uh, maybe i'm getting mixed up now uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't fucking know um sorry wow hey i know that song i just yeah i don't remember what the last song was it's just the sort of thing where it's like you know oh if you could have heard uh fucking uh Who's a guy who's alive and who's dead now? Uh, I was gonna say Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. But that's not, it's like, oh yeah, Jimmy. You, you get to see the chance to see Jimi Hendrix like play Fire Live. It wouldn't matter. Like, okay, maybe like the rest of his band isn't great or whatever. You'd be like, I'm seeing fucking Jimi Hendrix play Fire Live. It's like, dude, I'm seeing Built to Spill play fucking Carry to Zero live right now. <laughs> I just felt great. I was jumping around <laughs> and screaming during their entire set. You can attest to this. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah then got our voices came on and yeah rocked the house they ripped yeah. you could tell i mean people really seem very responsive to all the bands but uh-huh. then when gbv went on it was like yeah this is who people are here to see it was another level yeah 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 yeah, yeah that was a cool experience i've never been to a special show like that that was like marking like an anniversary yeah, yeah it's nice. Nice to be part of something like that. Yeah, just uh, again for and a band in their that, hometown, like that makes yeah, sense. for Actually, a band that's like kind of premised on like fucking up and like drinking and stuff like that. It was just an incredibly smooth experience. I mean, you were just talking about how quickly everything got torn down and then set up for the next band. Yeah, and all the bands like kept a schedule. Everyone played a good set. Um, the vibes were good. Beer everywhere. There was beer everywhere. Comfy chairs. <laughs> Comfy chairs. <laughs> the line to the men's bathroom was insane. But the again... line to the women, there was no line to the women's bathroom. <laughs> and that's, that brings up the point. It was a very duty show. Very, quite duty. Quite, quite duty. Heavy duty. But I'll say this. I don't like going to public men's bathrooms, okay? Because I don't like public men, generally speaking. <laughs> I don't like but, public men. Or, but, like, even this one was, like, people were just kind of polite, you know? And everyone was just kind of like, oh, it's a long line. But nobody was just like, oh, like, making, like, stupid 
fucking jokes, quote unquote, or like complaining or whatever. People were just like, all right, we got to get this done. We got to pee so we can drink more beer and watch Gotta Buy Voices. That's all there was to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're curious about what sloppy GBV sounds like, you told me recently about a compilation album called The Relaxation of the Asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the funniest name. The Relaxation of the Asshole. Well, Which that's just, just a compilation of like, Paul- of like, yeah, stage banter from yeah. his career. Yeah. <laughs> Which, and he which said received it got a 0.0 from Pitchfork. Yes, the rare 0.0. Nice. For the relaxation of the asshole by Robert Pollard. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Awesome. yeah. He didn't banter all that much last no. night. Um, but, you know, you can't have it. You can't have it all. He and did he, enough. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I love this. We've sort of made this point, and I know I was talking to you about it, Emily, earlier. But when he was just talking about how, oh, yeah, you can't take that one out of the set. You know, it's like you have thousands of songs. People want to hear, uh, uh, they got to hear Motor Away, which is like a big one for people. And they played it last night and it was awesome. It's like, but you also got to play. And he would just like name a song that's like from a record from 2017 that maybe like a thousand people heard. It's like, yeah, you gotta play that one too. And he's just like, well, <laughs> it's like, just, it was like kind of cool. It's like, oh, you think about your catalog in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Most people would just love it if you played B Thousand and Alien Lanes front to back. They'd be like, that'd be their ideal show. But it's like, no, man, you gotta, you gotta play this one too. You couldn't take this one out. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder how what his relationship is to his songs. Like, if he has that many, like this. He even remember how to play them? Like, does he even right. remember certain songs? I suspect, I mean, the set that we got last night has a lot in common with the ones they've done, like, the last couple of months. So, I, I, you know, like any other band, they probably rehearse, like, you know, 40 or 50 songs or whatever and just mm-hmm. do a combination of them. But they haven't been doing My Valuable Hunting Knife very much lately. We got that one. There was a few that we got that seemed like, you know, 40th anniversary exclusives. Which is nice. <laughs> exclusives. <laughs> I like those exclusives. He seems so spry for a sixty-five-year-old who's like made a career out of like getting drunk on stage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I shouldn't say make a career out of that because his career is from like you know extremely prolific songwriting. The dude can sing still. He can move. He can hide. Yeah. He really can. I mean, I don't. When I listen to the albums, I don't think of him as like a great singer. Um, but I thought his voice sounded great, and he was able to like hit yeah. high notes, and he was just like very commanding. Yeah, it would be that age. Yeah, it, it it feels like a miracle. I mean, the thing you would expect is again the melodies are so dynamic, and you'd expect him getting older to just like crumble on them to just not be able to hit the notes just like give up mid-song or whatever that does not happen um yeah i love him god bless gotta buy voices <laughs> so fucking good yes yeah, i can't believe that's the first time we've seen them yeah. but for a band that's from ohio that's never made it big you would think we would see them touring and they who play a lot of shows you'd think we'd see them touring here all the time but 
but we don't. We don't. They've been, they've been around a couple times, but but yeah, I like how that was our introduction to seeing them live. Yeah, yeah, just a fortuitous set of circumstances. Yeah, and on Labor Day weekend too, which is great because uh, it's important for me to have like one good sleep this weekend. <laughs> yeah, where I'm not like drunk and just like thinking of one of their songs like every fucking. 15 minutes as I'm trying to sleep. Yeah, all their songs were stuck in my head last night. I was just like cycling through them. Yeah. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to say about the show? I think we've I think we've covered it all this episode. We talked about yeah. gasms. Gasms. We talked about uh Jimmy Buffett, R.I.P. We talked about two waitresses. <laughs> that was the, that was definitely the highlight of the episode. <laughs> and Nora's infinite playlist. two waitresses. <laughs> I'm gonna look into that Nick and Nora thing because I'm like I I'm just like what the hell what the hell did I witness on that bus? <laughs> what was that? What was that? Yeah. <laughs> it felt very weird at the time, but I never really like looked into it. Yeah, there was no reason to. There was no reason to. But now I'm talking about it on a podcast, so I have to look into it now. There's something very, this feels like literature in some ways. I feel like there's novels like this where it's like something happened in your past and at the time it like just seemed innocuous. But then like you're reflecting on it 30 years later and you're like, this was actually full of meaning. This actually determined (laughs) determined the course of my adult life. Yeah. 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 Maybe it did. Anyway, the summer of shows. We've already done a lot of great shows. There's a lot coming up. I don't know how many we'll actually go see. Because some of them are out of town. But, um, but yeah, we're definitely going to go to some more. Needless to say... We we will we will definitely keep everyone in the loop. (laughs) We we will inform all our listeners of the shows we attend. Yeah. In great detail. Possibly including Shania Twain. Let's go, girls. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) That was like a creepy snarl. (laughs) It's like the grudge. It's like that low guitar part. (laughs) Uh, I'll bet you the Shania Twain show will have a similar dynamic to Guy by Voices, only it'll be the, the gender ratio will be flipped. There'll be yeah. as much just like uh, drinking and. <laughs> yeah, you'll have a great time using the restroom there. Yeah, yeah, breeze. that'll be my bathroom scene for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. Yeah. See everybody. Thanks Bye. for listening. Bye bye. Every night the stars come out to light another town. Just because I'm lonely doesn't mean that gets me down. I cruise the local driving, watching lovers holding hands. Like movie stills of Coupe de and Japanese sedans. Where's the party? Everybody I know say they expect me to go to the party 
Sometimes I wish the radio would learn another song. I'd stay at home and watch TV if there was something on. Ooh, but why should I get all dressed up when there's no place to go? Still, everybody looks at me as if they think I know. Where's the party? Where's the party? Everybody I see say they expect to see me at the party. I could stay here all night long, wait for her to call. Or I could put my walkman on and never care at all. the pop.